If I fucking buy the Jets, there will be a motion picture about my life. I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it has been. My personal superpower, if there's like one thing that I think I'm really good at, I'm super curious. And it, you know, people can write, write, write all they want, but what are people doing? And if there's anybody that's out there doing, they know how hard it is to actually do. One of the reasons that I understood the vision that I had is because I studied perfume, I really wanted to be a perfumer. I studied pastry and um, art, and I knew there were cows nearby. Cause see, I'm a comic who became an actor. So I'm cheap, like, you know, back in the day, like you could only do one thing. One thing. This is Polymathic by 2 p.m. This is episode three of Polymathic with Webb Smith. We have Gary Vaynerchuk with us. Gary is the founder of VaynerMedia and a host of other things. Your businesses can work together for the greater whole. And that's really what I want to discuss. No worries, Webb. First of all, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Um, I either am going to, it's really interesting. I've always been a guy that I think can be perceived as a contradiction because I'm capable of seeing both sides of the coin. You know, I'm super, I'm like smiling inside. I just have so much love for you. And we've had so much fun over the last decade of knowing each other from, you know, the keynote that I gave in that gym to like basketball at South by to like funny flare ups on Twitter. Like I just have real love for you. Likewise. And I want, I want everybody to hear that on the record. Um, and to that point, actually, and I think, you know, you just know me in a way that I don't think a lot of people do from your perspective, your angle. I'm completely convinced on what I'm about to say. Either, this is very binary professionally, either I really pull it off and no different than some of the most ridiculous humans on earth, Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth. Like either I fucking, oh my God, called my shot, deliver on it, and the whole culture, aka the earth, goes bananas in 31 years when I pull it off and everyone's gonna be like, this motherfucker. Or I hedged too much and held my breath too much and I don't pull it off. Or and and by the way, there's so many things out of my control of buying the Jets. Sure. The game is will I put myself in a position to be able to even do it when that moment when comes? When the time comes. And that doesn't even take into account horrific accidents like the Johnson brothers being on a private plane. And, and by the way, for people that don't know me, there's 0.0% of me that wishes that, especially because I need as much time as possible if I was a demon and an awful person. But like, there's so many variables. But what's interesting is that I would argue that people that pay attention to me enough that are bright, and I would categorize you as one, that a decade ago when I was spitting it as a wine store owner and somebody who had you know a solid Twitter following. <laughs> Guys, if you don't know, this is Kevin Rose. I'll let him intro himself to the Vayner Nation. You know, lot, listen, I know everybody in the computer world knows who you are, but there's a couple wine drinkers yes. who have no clue. Uh, so I, my name is Kevin Rose. Um, I do enjoy a glass of wine from time to time. It seemed like a whole lot of hot air to a lot of people. Whereas now, it still feels like a whole lot of hot air to a lot of people, but the people that, for whatever curiosity I'm bringing value to, whatever the serendipity of to why they're digging, I definitely sense that people are like, there's a point, there's a, from zero to like 5%, I'm like, wait a minute. And I do think a lot of things have happened. I think the media landscape has changed, you know, things in our society have changed. Um, so to answer your question, I feel like I'm being patient and eating crow to put in the work that creates a foundation that puts me in the highest percentage chance to pull off something great that will require a lot of execution and hard work and a whole lot of serendipity to pull off. Would you ever settle for minority ownership? Such a good question. I think about this a lot. I figure. My great concern from a peacocking alpha place is the Jets decide, the Johnsons decide to sell before I'm in a position because I'm building. Somebody with an enormous amount of money wants it, who's smart and realizes if they call me, 
Like the scariest phone call for me in order is a phone call saying that somebody I love is dead or terminally ill. Let's call that 25 phone calls. The 26th scariest phone call is from a high net worth individual saying, hey, I'm blank. We are in the early stages of actually buying the Jets. Do you want to be involved? And we would love to have you involved. A, you either have to put up minimal or no capital, but we understand that the brand that you've created is probably in our best interest. And I, and this is like, literally I'm gonna play out how scary this is. I'm the kind of owner that doesn't wanna be at the forefront. So you owning 5%, even though you might put in the money for 0.5% to be out and about is actually works for me because I don't need the ego. I don't need the spotlight. And honestly, we've watched you and analyzed the data. Like it would be in our best interest for you to be owner. That scares me because I don't know what I'll do at that moment. So here's a question. Did you approve or disapprove of Jay-Z's approach to the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I, I wanted to make it really classic, strong, go back to, um, you know, Brooklyn and what we're about is real gritty and not we're not about flash, and, you know. Jay-Z has done such an incredible job of translating personal brand and culture into financial arbitrage. I don't know him. And I've never met him, besides, well, I have a selfie with him that's really funny from South By from years ago, but I've never had a meaningful conversation with him or any kind of, I've never met him. That was a quick selfie backstage. Um, I approve because my sense is that he's in wealth creation mode and he doesn't have this aspirational fantasy in his mind of accomplishment of like the way I do. So. I think it's really cool and I think he did a good job and I think when you own such a small minority but you're known as the owner, you know, that's a really cool arbitrage. I think, I don't know Michael Rubin's ownership in the Sixers but I think that's like a bigger, better version of it. Like, I know he's not the majority owner. Uh, he's definitely not as famous as Jay-Z but in the trenches of the world I live in, he's definitely like viewed upon as the guy. Sure. And I would actually argue that if I succumb or like, you know, look. That's if, the model. Look, if I, if in seven years or nine, oh, I'm 44, if in like nine years, a 39 year old hedge funder or tech superstar or third generation wealthy person is calling me on the phone and they're 51 and I'm 53 and they're like, I'm buying the jets, but I'd like you to have, you know, a piece. There's going to be a practical, unemotional side of me of like, oh, fuck the new owner of the Jets is gonna be 51. This is probably gonna play out until I'm done. And here, this is something, you know, like this is not how I scripted it, but life is not how you script it. And like, you know, the big thing with me, Webb, is that, and I actually think you know this a little bit in a very weird way. I don't like people controlling my shit and I'm willing to eat shit to not be controlled. Sure. Much into like positioning myself versus the truth. That would be a similar thing. I may ultimately not like it. Look, it was very easy for me to pass on two points of the Miami Dolphins. That was a real moment. I mean, we sold to Ross seven years ago. I was in a very different place. Like being able to like flex and be like, you know how people are. Yeah, you know how people are, right? Like the shit I make fun of. Right. Like of like you raise capital, you're a CEO. Like I think ultimately I wasn't willing to deal with the hypocrisy. I would have never flexed and said, I own a team or I'm an owner. I understood, I mean, look, financially, I should have done it. Like as well as Resi did on the flip of the incubation of our fund, if I deployed that 35 million against a piece of the Dolphins, it's three axed, it's a hundo. Big achievements require vision and the moxie to see it through. Steve Ross has an ample supply of both. As chairman of related companies, Ross has built high profile projects like Hudson Yards, a $25 billion development spread across Manhattan's west side. His company also owns workout brands Equinox and SoulCycle, and he's been in headlines recently about those companies and his support for President Trump. Plus, Ross owns the Miami Dolphins, helping him amass a net worth of $7.7 billion. So I didn't realize <laughs> that you had that opportunity. I should have known, and it makes sense. I always figured that the partnership with Stephen Ross was something that would help move you in the direction that you wanted to go. Obviously, That you- was for me. Why it really happened is AJ wanted liquid. Fair like enough. real life. We're being, you know, I want you to have a big podcast, so I want to give you juice here. AJ wanted liquid. I play in perpetuity. He's 11 years younger to me. It was a real check. And ultimately, I love my brother more than money. 
I don't know what else to say. And then I started playing the game of like, well, this will get me into the NFL family. But it started and ended with my brother matters to me. You know this intimately, I, yep, actually. I do. So, you know, I'm being a little meta here because I just enjoy, we don't get a lot of time together. So I'm like mixing pleasure with business. Sure, sure. But like, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately why that happened was because of AJ. I think the secondary thing was I understood. And by the way, it's ironic. I've actually spent very little time with Ross because I'm so weird. I don't like anybody. Like, I'd rather make a lot less than anybody claim they had an impact on me. It's a selfish weakness. I don't, but it's my strength and my weakness. Nonetheless, ironically, I had breakfast with him today. When I tell you this is only the third time I've seen him all year, that's real talk. Can I make a suggestion? Please. And I'm not going to ever yeah. really yeah. offer you suggestions because you don't really need them, but you should probably hang out with him a lot more. It's a smart one. Let me tell you what people don't know. And listen, obviously his politics are a little different for me. That flared up recently. Sure. But by the way, like I, I can't wait for an America where we're a little more empathetic to like allowing people to see the world differently. But he's a good dude. I believe it. No, he really genuinely is. And like, nonetheless, it's easily something I'm going to regret. I already know now. Not spending time with him. Correct. Yeah. So your advice is right. Nonetheless, we had a great meeting today. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, I would argue AJ's right. Like it was the right kind of strategic person for me. I just knew that I wouldn't take advantage of it. And I have not. That's real talk. So let's... On that point, let's sort of segue into and fuck the Dolphins, by the way, as a Jets sure. fan. I mean, absolutely. You know, just on that note, well, that's why I'm really glad you did not take that opportunity. I know that I it couldn't must do it, Matt. Very I difficult. Could, it was very difficult. I knew it was a good business deal. Thank God, and you know me. Thank God, I wasn't like the 99 percent that needed that cosign for the flex. Right. So that actually made it easy. I'm sure everybody's listening and just projecting who would possibly listen to this. No. So I'll tell you. Guys. I'll tell you exactly. So. Please. It's a very select group of people. I would say several thousand people that are the higher, higher, highest echelon of media, commerce, retail, and brand. I believe that to be true. And I've paid, you know, I, I value you guys and like know how people, you know me. I don't really consume anything, but I know the zeitgeist. So I believe that to be true. I then know who's listening right now. And I'm sure everybody's listening right now would also agree with me. Like that's a hard move because for 90% of them, that are listening, that cosign matters. And sure. honestly, I was a different guy, and you know this, I was a different guy seven years ago than I am today. That cosign wouldn't have been so bad. I know, I mean, you have another zero now. And so for me, it was just my love of the Jets. Like, by the way, this is on the record. Uh, oh, actually, this is fun. I'm right now wearing the Minnesota Rocker, okay. uh, Christmas, or ugly Christmas sweater. Uh, I own a meaningful stake of the Call of Duty team out of Minnesota that's launching e this. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. With the Minnesota Vikings owners, the Wilfs, good friends of mine. They grew up in the Springfield, New Jersey area, so I've known them for years. And I always say to like my family, my friends, this is the first time I'm saying publicly, that if it wasn't Ross and it was the Wilfs and the Vikings being in the NFC and not really genuinely being in... like we You would have done it. I probably would have done it. Yeah. 100%. But I, I think... I don't want to talk about brand in the context of the decision making, but I feel like that would have been more correct acceptable. By the way, I'll just walk right into it. Yeah, it would be fifty one percent. It wouldn't. It didn't feel good to me with the Dolphins. It was forty nine percent of brand perception. Right. It would create hypocrisy. Right. Right. And I don't want hypocrisy. Like I spend a lot. I would argue that a lot of the things that I do, random phone calls to you, engaging, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Who wants? Like I'm. I despise that trait. And I really think it's important. I think I'm the most thoughtful version of myself out of my disdain for hypocrisy. And I think I would every, agree with that. I, would, I think a lot of humans, I think we all have versions of it, just human. But even, a, I appreciate your affirmation and it, it matters to me. Like, listen, when you're playing, listen, I've said it for a long time and now I really know it to be true because I've left an uncomfortable amount of table, money on the table the last 20 years. I'm playing for legacy. And I would argue the Jets thing is probably a subconscious trait of mine as somebody who knew who Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali were as a young kid. I'm now starting to think like, oh, that affected me so much that I created my version. Listen, let's just call it right now what it is. If I fucking buy the Jets, there will be a motion picture about my life. Of course. And, so and, and honestly, it's the most selfish and selfless version of myself. 
And I wouldn't expect anything less. I think the really important thing here is that you project so much further down the line than most people. And I think you're aware of that. So you're talking 20, 30 years. Most people can't think past five. Um, the reason why I even brought up that context in the first place is because I know that everything that you do is sort of a reverse engineering of that goal. And as it relates to your companies and how all the things that you are involved in works together, I essentially wanted you to like lay that out in front of this audience, like list. I got it. List like everything that you're doing right now. Before I go into this, let me be empathetic and let me speak to this very strong audience because I know it is. I love you so much for listening to this. I know 94% of you, every behavior is for the flip. You're not listening to this fucking podcast if you're not currently in some place of, I'm gonna build this direct-to-consumer, you know, sunflower seed company, scarf company. You're just not. You're not listening to this, if uh, this, this show. That means you're, I, I agree with you, by the way. You're in the upper echelon of in the know, which, oh, by the way, by the way, like in a world of like patting yourself on the back, if you're listening to this show outside of me sharing it because I want web show to be bigger, like if you're not coming from me, and you were actually here before me, you're in a really good spot. It means you're hyper aware of a movement that is actually gonna play out. And, and me knowing a little bit about web without knowing a lot, I think you're gonna be in the better version of the scummy version, but here's still the punchline. 94% of you are in it for the flip. Meaning, the day you started the company, you already thought about Procter & Gamble or Pepsi or Walmart buying your company. So what I'm about to lay out is going to feel foreign because you actually are playing within a five-year framework. Your great fear is the economy collapsing because then there won't be capital for you to see it through. And I'm the guy who built an e-commerce and brick and mortar wine store from three to 65 million with not only no capital, but no credit line. And so I'm a different animal. I built Vayner. You were there, bro. I was there. You yeah. were there, bro. I was telling Web. Andrew very early that I remember the first seven people. You were there. Sam Taggart still loves you wherever the fuck he is. Yeah. In Indonesia yeah. or whatever the fuck he's doing right now. Probably smoking <laughs> some he's weird on earth weed right now. Who he's knows? on earth. I saw him at Marcus's wedding, another one of the first seven. You sure. were there. And so what you know is like, like I, I think people have a, you know, I'm such a funny personality that like people, I go at it so hard that people are looking for the excuse, right? Like I always ask people like, if I had all this money that my daddy gave me, what the fuck am I doing starting VaynerMedia in Buddy Media's conf? I didn't have money to fucking have rent. Where I'm going with all this little rant is not self-loathing or self-esteem building. It's I don't know anything other than building businesses in perpetuity. So when I start a speaking bureau like Vayner Speakers, it gives me a platform to hit up Brandon Cohen from Liquid IV, who I think's doing an actual execution in DTC, who's also happens to be like you, a charismatic human, and be like, hey, you should speak. You remind me of me. You seem uncomfortably charismatic, and oh, by the way, I'm a little weirded out. I think you might actually be building a business. Yes, you're probably raising more capital than I would have, but there's something very real here. Like this product actually sells at Costco. You're actually number one search result on energy drinks in, you know, in in uh in on Amazon. Right. Like, uh oh, are you actually real in a world of fake? So, you know, when you look at VaynerX, VaynerMedia, the agency, the Gallery Media Group, the publishing, 137 PM and Pure Wow, Sasha. That's just classic. That's your consulting agency. That's a that's actually an agency that mainly consulting, but does have some services for SMBs. That's just layup city. That I've promoted very little this year, and is going to do ten million in revenue, and twenty and two point five million in profit as a service business, just on the fucking scrums of who my personal brand is. That's amazing. You know, and that it's hard. Listen, for a lot of people listening right now who maybe know people or have been in the past. It's kind of hard to build a $10 million a year revenue agency. Very few people actually ever do it on earth that try. And that's like happening. James Orsini is a good exec, great executive who worked with me, but like that's brand arbitrage. Tracer, Jeff Nicholson's, you know, data processing platform SaaS business that will roll out next year heavy. I have a very unique holding company. Um, but to your point, you know, it's funny. Vayner Speakers is the one I'll talk about. So and there's Empathy Wines, my direct-to-consumer brand with two of my former Vayner people. There's Resi, 
that sold for hefty nine figures. Yeah. To, I mean, amazing you know outcome. You know what's funny about that web? It's fun to say this with you. I think I'm a weird guy. I I would actually argue the single best on paper victory of my career is Resi. I came up with the idea with Ben Leventhal at a dinner. I then came up with the capital to hire him. We partnered. What year was that? I have to really think. 2011, 2010? Let's think. We were on 315 Park Avenue before we moved here. We're three years here, 2016. I think I think Resi's 2013 or 14. Okay. Um, it's definitely not 11. It's 13 or 14. It, you know, let's call it 13. Let's call it 14 to give me less credit. It's sold last year or this year, 18. In four or five years, it's it's not 100 million. I can't disclose, well, I can, but I don't think it's appropriate. It's a hefty nine-figure exit to American Express. I came up with the idea on a bad day, 50%. It was me and Ben over dinner at Michael White's restaurant on around this exact day, five, I think five, 2013, 14, five, five, five years, years ago. ago. I found Mike Montero from David Tish, who used to be from Techstars. Yeah. As this, I found the CTO. I put that together. Vayner RSC, our fund, funded it. It worked out of Vayner Media the first three years. I was on the board. I was definitely, you know, Ben Leventhal is an incredible executive who, who did it for the first time at that scale. I'm sure off the record he would say I was a value prop. Uh, I was instrumental in the strategy of like going after Open Table instead of being what we originally did, which was pay for seats for hard to get places. I don't think I ever talk about it. Like, you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking Dustin, you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. You're around me 24-7 for the last two years. I would argue, that, uh, actually, it's true. Even more so than Facebook and Twitter and Uber, which I've done a good job talking about, it's probably my biggest success. Mm, not a peep. It's really funny to me. But why is that? I'm not sure. I think it's similar to my team and Dustin's part of this. He's recording this right now. My team is on this kick lately of like, why the fuck don't you talk about being smart? Because, they're like, it, they're because like, it provides you a validity that people assume that my, you may not have? My intuition is that I don't think it's a transferable skill to my audience, so why am I, I, don't, I think it's bragging. Hey everybody, I'm smart. Versus like work hard. People can actually get inspired by that and be like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I should work Here, a little. Here's you know, what I do please. think is a transferable skill. So one of the things that I pride myself on as far as the community that we're building is concerned. Um, is the people that are the most curious, the people that are most willing to learn are the people that are achieving the greatest returns. Can we stop there right now? Sure. Humility is the superpower of the next decade. I would argue that if if you ask me besides, I would argue that humility is a single reason I'm successful. Let me say it a different way in a better way. I believe humility is the underrated characteristic that has brought me success and more importantly, happiness. And, I think, and it's not I, obvious with the way I roll. No, I, I I think that if if people spend any amount of time with you, it's it's probably more obvious than you would think. I, I also agree with think that. that it's the two things that we were just discussing are are related. I you agree. you don't seek out education or you don't seek out understanding unless you unless you first admit that maybe you don't know everything. Correct. And so... And people hear me with conviction because I stay so narrow about the 11 things that I know well. And I think I think what's definitely serviced me is humility. So what what is the next thing that you're trying to learn then? That's a really good question. Um, let me let me, um, let me frame it please, better this way. Please. So, so you're projecting 30 years down the line. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to project... I'm going to project 15 years down the line. Okay. If you're going to buy, if you're going to buy the Jets, it's going to be within 15 years. So you're talking about a four billion dollar, four billion dollar transaction on the high end. I think that there's a lot of things going through my mind when I say that. Number one, this is fun to say to you guys. There's like three to four things that I know at surface level or a little bit deeper that I'm excited to get deeper with. As you know, I'm making a much bigger play for commerce. I'm making a lot of, I made an acquisition recently that'll be announced in January. I'm hiring executives. I'm excited to take me from a C minus on e-com and voice to an A. I'm an A fucking plus in social. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's not fun for me. I don't tend to like, I like to brag in different ways than the way I just did. It's very obvious to me that I'm struggling to find my comp of depth of understanding of social in a 360 way. Okay. On the flip side, voice, 
Ecom? <laughs> Both of you know Ecom better than me. Like, like I know it because it's so inherently in me. Sure. Uh, there's so many human truths that go to these things, but I think the next 15 years, you'll probably see two to three things where I become an A plus in. That's what I'm good at. I'm good at like, this is important. Let me get serious. And commerce is one of those things. 100%. Yeah. That's why I'm on the show. That's why I like flirting with you. Like, for sure. And it's fun for me because fucking Christ. I did open cart optimization before fucking Amazon in 1996. I was just not smart enough to turn it into a product. I just was intuitive enough to be like, Wait a minute. This is how you make money. Eric Kastner, big shout out Eric Kastner who went on to have a great career as a dev at um, at uh, Etsy and then what was, uh, what's the, uh, what's that awesome, Kickstarter. Um, I wish Eric was here right now. He sat closer to me than me and Dustin are building Wine Library and I remember the day. It's 19 fucking 98, uh, nine, 19, early 1999. I'm like, hey, can you show, like literally, like this is where I still don't understand computers. Notice how I used the word computers, that's what I used to call it. I was like, hey, you probably, you know, now I'm learning. I'm like, right. wait a minute, you can probably see all the people that didn't hit buy, right? He's like, yeah, give me an hour. Like really neat shit when you're innovating. Yeah, that you should have patented. Yeah, totally wasn't bright enough to know that what I was doing, it's no different than um, wine text. Let's bring value to the audience. My friends, I'll make this very simple. Back to like legacy over currency. I have an I have a text platform for my dad. By the way, if you buy wine, you should sign up. I'm gonna give you the straight data right now because I love 9,165 people are on it. It's a text platform. It's outperforming our email service that has 400,000 people on it, 15X. So wine text allows you to engage people by offering them ways to understand which they prefer. Which... Wine of the day. Okay. Groupon on text. If you guys, by the way, by the way, texting costs money. Today's text cost me $248.05. So if you're listening right now and you're a Gary V fan or you're like enjoying this or you want to learn, like I don't want you to sign up because I don't want you to send a text to you if you're not buying. But if you're also buying or if you want to sign up for a couple days and then sign off to learn, sign up for wine text because it's really incredible, and I think a lot of people listening right now can add it to their repertoire and grow. Right. If you go to it, you'll see that there's a landing page, it's a video of me, and a very simple sign up. You put your credit card in, and then every day you get a text, and all you have to do is reply with a number, and the friction is gone. It's fucking slaying. So, walk me through this really quickly. When you say you reply with a number, that's a number of bottles, I'm assuming? Yes, and, and then it's done. Like, that's it? That's it. It, yeah, and and you know I love you because you're smart. You want to hear a story? My dad and I are on vacation in Italy this summer. My dad finally kind of admits to me like, "Fuck, I fucked up. I need your help," which for me was like the greatest moment of my sure. life. Sure, I'm like, "Oh, really? You're you know I hate Michael Jordan, but I use the analogy. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden the Bulls aren't so good when Jordan's not around, Dad. You know I needed that for me and with my dad because I left. He took over. It was great because I went to go build my own thing with AJ and he finally felt like a man again because I was the guy. Yeah. But the reality is the business is almost in half from its apex. And he finally was like, hey, I need your help. So is wine text under the wine library yes. umbrella? So now I'm on vacation <clears throat> with my dad and he gives me what I want, which is affirmation that I'm better. Let's call it what it is. It's straight competition. Now it switches my gear to like, fuck you. And in a good way, because it's never was contentious. We have a great relationship, but there's definitely like that battling right. to, I want to help my dad. So I'm on vacation, so I have nothing but thinking time. And that's how I came up with wine text. And it's all lack of friction. And my belief that text was ready. And I, I, believe, wanna, I believe people are ready to buy on text. And I just want to recap this because yes. obviously removing friction from commerce processes is really important to me. I think that's a really fascinating thing that's going to define the next five or 10 years. Um, when you say you reply with a with a number of bottles and that's done, do you really mean if I reply number seven, then I just bought 150, whatever, $150 worth of you just bought seven bottles of wine for whatever the yep. price is. And it'll be in your home in 48 hours. The, the, I've never, listen, I was early guys. you like this. I'm old. 91, 92, 90.3 open rates on email in 1997. And I didn't have, I had hundreds of thousands. Of people. Like, how do you think I built it? 3 million to 65 million with no money and no money takes perfection. 
Yeah. Like I used to be, you know, it's funny, you know, you like this web in 07 to 09, I kind of got embarrassed. I used to think it was this big thing. And then it was the era of Facebook and right. And I was like, oh, I suck. Not really. Cause I'm the way I am. But I was like, oh, I kind of stopped talking about it. Cause it was like all these big valuations. But then in the last two years, I'm like, wait a minute, three to 65, no VC capital, no credit line web. That's amazing. No, I mean, this is a 200 million, VaynerMedia, $200 million company. I started from zero on one scope from Gillette for 80,000 bucks. There is a credit line. Uh, Ross put in money, me and AJ took every dollar home. To go from zero to 200 million, and really it was zero to three million the first two and a half years, because I was still doing Wine Library and Crush It came out and Gary V started happening. So I took over in September 2011. It was really AJ prior to that. You know, to go from three to 200 million in, you know, in eight years, with no cash infusion, and M&A is real. Yeah, That's so, real shit. And just for the audience. Profitably. By the way, everybody, 200 million with profit. Not a lot, because I run it hard, but it's a lot more fun than the people that are doing 83 million that are lost 13 million, but their valuation is 400 because they took 40 million in. Right. I'm more proud of that, Web. That's so, a real business. So when you say 200 million, you're talking about revenue. revenue. You're, you're not talking about valuation. Nope. So again, going back to the core of this conversation, which I, I'm only using as sort of a North Star here. Um, with all the businesses that you're that you're running right now, um, Vayner's one of Vayner Media is one of them. You have uh, Vayner Sports. You have Vayner Speakers. There's a number of them that I don't know because Sasha Tracer Gallery Media Group, which houses 1:37 p.m. Everything's under Pure Vayner wow. X. Yep. Except for Vayner Sports, because Steve Ross owns thirty percent of Vayner X, he can't own anything of a sports agency because he owns owners the Dolphins. Can't, right. So me and agent there, and then because the NFL frowns on cannabis, my agency called Green Street, which is something and that, I knew about that. Yep, that I'm doing outside of that. So Vayner Sports and Green Street are out of Vayner X. In Vayner X, it's Tracer, Sasha. Tracer is an ad platform, data analyzation platform, SaaS business. Sasha is SMB agency life. Vayner Media is agency life for Fortune 500. Gallery Media Group, purewow.com and 137 p.m. is a publisher like a Vice or a Complex right. or a Refinery29. Vayner Speakers is a company. And we are very much, you know, when are you airing this? So this will, Vincenzo will edit this. It'll probably be up by Friday. Let's put it this way. Vayner, Vayner Commerce ambitions are real. To give, okay. to give everybody the wink wink. So we'll continue to build VaynerX companies. And what is your- And then there's Gary V. That's your, pers that's your personal brand that's and right. all the money that that generates. And wine library and wine, wine text are my dad's businesses, but obviously I promote the shit out of them because I love them. Empathy Wines is a direct-to-consumer wine brand that I do with Nate and Trout, my former VaynerMedia executives. Do you ever map this out? No. Is there a map anywhere? No. The map is- the map is do behaviors that I think put me in a position to succeed in the big arbitrages of the next decade, which is at some point when the economy collapses, and you know, you've heard this at nausea, because I know you know, I will buy brands and businesses at a, a much smaller EBITDA when everyone's cash strapped, because I've saved a lot of money, I've saved a lot of relationships, and uh, I think I'm gonna buy Ocean Pacific, or you know what I've been hot on, Swatch. Hmm. lately swatch watch or you know we're the agency that works with fila i think if anybody's paying attention to culture fila has completely come back it's come back i mean k-swiss was a underwater business that just sold for hundreds of millions of dollars to a uh, chinese company i've been i am that's the one place that everyone's like that's you gary right like everything else people are like is that you like some people think aj built vayner some people don't know about resi like like the one place for sure that everyone's like, that was you, is definitely K-Swiss. And that was a good test ground for me. And that was off of my personal brand, but Vayner's work too. Like, look, I think I got some juice going. I've clearly got momentum. I've built, but let's not get it twisted. 97% of America has no idea who the fuck I am. And probably 99. That was just good execution on all the work. So how do you use your existing assets to, to increase that number, that, that awareness? Of me? So yeah, by assets, I mean, you have so many businesses, so many, I guess, spokes in the wheel at your disposal. Um, I would argue that there are lesser business people, and I'm not gassing you up right now. There are lesser business people that are more well-known 
Um, how do you use like what you have to close that gap so that when you do have another opportunity for a K-Swiss or whatever brand you have next, you could then leverage that a little bit better. By, to- by winning the 5% of the world that are the smartest and not worrying about the 95. Okay. And that's the enigma that I am. I would argue that if you don't know me, it seems that I'm so out there that I'm trying to win the masses. Meanwhile, what's actually been happening in the shadows, or it's not even the shadows, it's just that nobody's looking, is the smartest 5%, the wealthiest 5%, the most powerful 5% continue to be very intrigued by me, which puts me in a great spot. Look, Steve Ross, I didn't charm Steve Ross. I didn't charm the people I'm having conversations with that it would be inappropriate for me to share. People, I come to no one. I ask for no one. All these cool people, every cool person you see me with on Instagram, on the record, they hit me up first. Because I'm building brand and letting it come to me because that's better leverage. Right. Not when you're asking, right? So I'm anti-thirsty. And it's worked out really well for you. Uh, Do you know why, Webb? And I think you have the benefit of this is like, because I'm executing. Like in, it, only, your- it only works out if you're good, at, if you're actually doing something real. There's been a lot of people that have made a lot more money than me in the last 10 years, but they won't go down in statue land. They made money. But but I think the thing that I'm fighting for is admiration along the way as well. Like I'm really proud of the way I roll. I'm not perfect, I'm a human. But between the tent and execution and patience, I think I've got an interesting framework. And so to answer your question, it's I've never said it. And again, it's only out of, I think, because I really like you that I'm trying to drop some things that I've never said before so that it can be used for you. People are very confused of what I'm actually doing. I'm a real, honestly, and I've always loved Muhammad Ali, and, and my one of my best friends in college is a kid by the name of Dustin Bingham, who was Howard Bingham's son. Howard Bingham was the all-time great photographer, legend mm-hmm. photographer, who was Muhammad Ali's best friend. And it's just funny how your life works, because even as a kid, I'm like, I'm intrigued by this guy. And I don't think the way that people, I was intrigued by Muhammad Ali at 12 or 13, because I thought, this is actually real, I fucking wish I had my book report that I wrote in this. I wrote a book report at 12 years old that said Muhammad Ali gamed Howard Cosell. He did. I know. But as a 12-year-old to understand that, and by the way, everyone listening now is gonna say, what? People don't understand that Muhammad Ali was so smart with media that he understood Howard Cosell was the most important gateway to the masses, and he befriended him. And, and here's the truth. I don't know if Muhammad Ali genuinely liked or disliked or anything in between with Howard Cosell. Howard Bingham never told me. I don't know. It's very similar to me. I know how to win arbitrages. You know, later the thing comes out. Like later, do I really genuinely like that person? Do I genuinely like? The truth is I don't know at first. You don't know. Right. You just know that it's the right move for what you're trying to achieve. Punchline being, Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope George Foreman. If you're a boxing fan like I am, and I'm educated, I'm a big fight fan, the, listen, Buster Douglas, I didn't go to school on the Monday after Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas. I did not. You were devastated. Devastated. Yeah. My mom let me stay home. I was still crying. Columbus, Ohio's own, by the way. I couldn't believe it and kind of was in some weird version of a state of shock. Still, I would argue, and this is crazy to say, and I'm wondering who listens to this if I get a fun email. I still think Muhammad Ali beating George Foreman in in Africa is the greatest upset in boxing history. I don't think people understand who George Foreman was at that moment and who Muhammad Ali was. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll break it down for the audience. Please. I would say that George Foreman was probably Mike Tyson before Mike Tyson was Mike 100%. Tyson. In the context of him being so feared and so ferocious. And just that- to remind everybody, and I apologize for interrupting you, Foreman just got out of destroying, I think it's five times he knocked down Joe Frazier in Jamaica after Joe Frazier easily beat, beat Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Ali. Like, and he rope-a-doped him. I... I'm start and you've heard me. I'm starting to get. I'm like, wait a minute. Am I rope doping? Am I am I out there acting a fool and being me? Like I'm really trying to figure this out, Web. I'm like, well, am I rope doping? Do I like playing Jersey Street Kid? I'm not that smart. I'm winning through sheer charlatan personal brand. I'm just a. I'm com- I'm tricking people into thinking like I'm like am I do like I'm like trying to ask myself honestly for me to even say this out loud can speak to me actually curiously being like am I rope doping? Well, uh, 
the answer is yes, you are. The The other thing that I would go back to is I, I, you know, this is just another thing that I feel like I should say. I I wonder what additional power you would squeeze out of your, your burgeoning empire if you map things out. The reason why it's I say that point. The, the reason why I say that is because though he successfully rope-a-doped uh, George Foreman, he suffered tremendously, mm. almost existentially, because of that fight. That's a really you know. And what? so it's like, what is it worth? You just honestly, Webb, you fucked me up a little bit because to your point, I don't think I come. You know, it's fucking funny you said that. Jeez, this is a fun moment for me. I'm convinced I don't come out of it clean. You know, when you're playing it so rogue, you know, like that's kind of what's fun about how I can even say that at 44 because I'll watch this at 84. I will watch this. I'll be like, oh, Webb had great hair back then. Like, like it's, you know, I'm going to watch this and that's real life. And I already, you know how sometimes you kind of know your destiny? Like I can't come out of it completely clean because when you're playing it rogue, you're playing it rogue. Sure. And so usually where I put that focus is on my children. You know, do you remember the guy on Little House on a Prairie whatever London is, Michael Landon maybe? Yeah, uh, That's yeah. the name. And actually, I don't know if this is true, but I associate this with him and I think it's probably for somebody else. So I'm saying it on the record, this might not be true. In my brain, I have it that when Michael Landon died, his kids, and actually, you know what's funny? Michael Landon, John Wayne, I'm thinking, you know, in the 80s, these people would die, Lucille Ball, and it was only TV, no internet, and you watched Entertainment Tonight with your mom, this is right. me. My greatest fear is that I give to the world and that my kids feel like I didn't give to them. Sure. I mean, that's it's a, a very cliche thing. It's every, it's every every good father's fear, you know? And so I think a lot about that. And so it's funny when we were just talking, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to let that happen. You know, bro, a lot of people don't like me in a world where I hate being disliked. I can I can empathize with you there. Uh, and I can also say that, you know, I know we've had some intense discussions over the past and I know how you handle those discussions. You handle them like a person that is really upset when things happen that are not savory for that person. But whether you're talking to me or whether I'm talking to you, like I know how much you care about those those sorts of things. I guess the entire context of this part of the discussion is how do you like minimize the negative effects of everything that you're doing so that you hit the home run without, you know, by, popping for HGH afterwards. By sitting here and having Lou in the background, knowing that I have 22 hardcore VaynerMedia executives waiting for me at dinner right now, I'm gonna be at least 15 minutes late, but I can feel that we're on a heater of like something that might bring somebody value by putting in the work. You know, it's a really nice thing. Like I was talking about intent, but then you have to execute on intent. Literally right over, your right shoulder, your left shoulder, I see Lou's face. Look at him right now. Look at his face. Look, Webb, I want you to look at it. Like, I've been looking at his face for the last 15 minutes saying, hey, you have people, uh, you know, he's probably, he's the newest to my team. He's like, he doesn't know our history. You know. He's great, by the way. He's, he's the best. He's, he's, he's the best. Because he knows that I care about sure. what I care about. Like, let's be really transparent. I have a weird thing happening in New Orleans, yes, tomorrow that I didn't anticipate. Thank fuck. Do you know how this happened tonight? You're, well. I'll tell you. Because you don't know. You posted something on your story or whatever of like yeah. linking. You tagged me. Thank God. Yeah. This is real life. This is how much non-planning I do, by the way, mister. You tagged me. So I saw it. I saw that you said to your audience, this is happening. I got scared because I'm like, fuck. I just know that in the last 12 hours, my Tuesday got blown up. I went to my calendar, saw that you were Tuesday. I know you live in Ohio. I'm like, he fucking flew in for this. I text and say, you saw the text I sent. I'm like, hey, I got real scared because I thought you might fly in Tuesday and leave Tuesday. Right, which I thought about. But- I got super pumped when you replied, I'm here today till Wednesday morning, first thing. I then sent an email to my team saying, I got to get him in. I like fucking moved a ton of shit. I love that. That's the answer to your question. It will always be the intent backed by action. That makes sense. Right? Yep. How? By doing this tonight. Even at my short-term potential detriment. Well, I'll do my best to make sure that this pays dividends for you. And, it, well, and I know honestly, that I, I know, I, I, know, know I know that that's not what it's about. I it's do. It's not. I know you know I, that. I know and that. honestly, the only reason I do it is because I've known you for a decade. I know what you're about. Like to your point, and we've alluded, guys, it's not super complicated. Webb has points of view. I have points of view. <laughs> like it's not super hard. It's actually very easy. 
as everyone should. My big thing is everyone should. Chris Saka, Alexis Ohan, like good friends, people I believe in, they've had different takes that maybe don't work for me or or maybe sometimes are at the short term detriment to me. Uh, yourself is still your greatest resource and your greatest asset as an entrepreneur. And there is something deeply problematic and toxic in a world where we're saying like destroy yourself at all costs for the success of your business because I don't actually think that's what gets you there. You know, honestly, I want to, if you want to really get real, I wish that I can inspire people. If bro, and you know this, if everybody fucking rolled the way I would, we would not be this far apart left and right in our society. I believe that. That's powerful. I want to set examples. You know, Web, you definitely know this. You know how proud I am that over the last two years, I've pumped so much into the system around empathy, kindness, gratitude, patience, that all of a sudden, the alphas of us, the us, the you and me, the 22 you and me, knowing, knowing that I was getting cooler with them, that all of a sudden, if you really analyze the gram, all of a sudden you're seeing just a hair less private jets and champagne and booties and fucking baby giraffes and a little bit more of kindness and gratitude. And honestly, I'm proud of that because that, like Resi, is no debate. These alpha dudes, let's call it what it that's is, a good, that's a starting to pump. I, dude, that's my legacy. Like when I'm analyzed, fuck buying the jets. People are gonna be like, he came along at a time that affected 18 to 25 year old alpha dudes to play it a hair different in a way that was better for, I, I actually think that's what I'm gonna have. I actually believe that. That's huge for me. Would that be big enough to be primary? Yes. I think buying the Jets will be my secondary. I believe when people look at the data, I know what I've done the last two, three years and I think I'm gonna do more of it. So, I think I've changed the conversation, I do. Because guys, Alphas are binary. They see something that's working and they parrot it. And I've really won here in this chapter. And they're like, look what he's talking about. Let me talk about that. And it's given permission to the 50% who actually were that, who were fronting the other way. So a few takeaways I have, because I know that this man wants to get to dinner. Here's what I hope for Gary in the next few weeks. Uh, I do want him to map out his empire. I want him to see just how much amplification is possible if there was some strategy I believe, around. I believe that to be true. Okay. On the record, I believe Webb's right. I will counter it with the following. It's always dangerous when a penguin tries to be a giraffe. <laughs> Fair enough. And what I will say to that is he's right and I've watched my... I've made five, let me let me save time because I want to bring value to everybody's listening. Webb is 100% right. Let me tell you why. Over the last year, I realized I needed to be dramatically more thoughtful in the way that I hired. I hired direct reports that I made on intuitive calls and I knew that my power would subsidize all their shortcomings and I was gonna fix them or make them better or help them grow into it and it created vulnerability. In the last group of like five to seven hardcore executives, I just hired thoughtfully, took time, interviewed a fuckload I've, of people. I've watched them. And it's fucking crushed. And especially the newest group. It's I've like, seen it. It's your, real. Your new LA bureau. All of it. Yeah. You know, Wanda, Strategy, Rob, like it's worked in a way that is bonkers. So Web's, I'll just save time. Web's right. Can, you just have to be, for everybody who's listening, you have to be ready for the moment. Number two of two. Canelo Alvarez fought Mayweather three years too early. Who do you think would win now? Canelo Alvarez. Maybe not, man. Dude, Floyd Mayweather is deep. Honestly, guys, as a, as a it's Floyd's defense is so uncomfortably real, but people don't understand defense when it comes to fighting. So it will never, Floyd will never be revered for how all time he is. Because his defense is so uncomfortably next level. It sort of goes back to what you were saying about the 5% and the people that actually understand Correct. boxing. And like what... Great job, by the way. That You're was welcome. A, that was a great recall. This is number two, number two of two, and we'll, we'll, we'll end this. Uh, please, please spend time with Stephen Ross. The most important thing that I think that you are missing right now in all the things that you do is leveraging it for real estate plays. Interesting. Uh, you know what's funny about that, Web? You know what's funny? 
listening to you and like, again, the disadvantage of you having so much context is your takes are more right than wrong with me. <laughs> I mean it, I mean it. I'm gonna say this and I have to leave. My friends, Webb's right. And now the debate, the Webb just is right on the 201. This is the two, what Webb has just laid out is the 201 course. It's not the 101, it's definitely not the bullshit that the 90% play in, which is the 001. It's not the 101, he's the 201. My argument is there's a 301 version of it, okay. which is called happiness. And and yeah, and see, <laughs> and, and I even love how you reacted. I would argue that I'm willing to leave an uncomfortable amount of economics to enjoy the enigma of doing it uniquely my way. It's fun. I get it, it makes me happy. Webb's right. And if you want to win 201, which, oh, by the way, just for like business terms, is tens and hundreds of millions. My inkling, which, by the way, I can't wait to make a video at 92 saying Webb was actually right, and here's the recall video from 2019. <laughs> but I can't go against my intuition. My intuition is I might be right about the 301, that when you're in your most meta zone of happiness, you're capable of acquiring and creating. And I would argue that I fear going away from that because sure. every time I'm not my natural self, it's n never as good, even though my natural self doesn't seem right on paper. Got it. It's beautiful. What's really fun about you, this is why I always fuck with you, and you just did it again for me. The way you even reacted to that, you know what I love about you? Is your, honestly, Webb, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not here, like I'm saying it because I mean it, you know me, you that. know how I roll. I love how you received that message. Because you're like, you're lot, you're, you know, we're both very practical. I try to be. You are. Obviously. I know you. I have you know, goals. And who doesn't? I just think that I love the way you received that message because you were like, that might make sense. And I appreciate <laughs> you for that. I mean it. I saw how you received what I said. And it and it's always why I've always I've always been a very big advocate behind your back and definitely to your face. Thank you. The way and it all happened in that moment where I decided to like, you know, you you came hard. You're you're you were right on both, by the way. So I was like, fuck it, he came hard, let me bring out my next tool. What I just said to you is very real. And I wish that for you, and I wish that for everybody. When you go into your zone, whether you make 40,000 a year or 40 million a year, it just fucking is awesome. And I loved being in a liquor store 10 years ago. Let me just wrap with this. 10 years ago today, this day, I'm in a liquor store packing boxes. Uh, yeah. It's and crazy I, and I'm, I, I, it, it, Thank you, thank you for, how old are you, Dust? 35. Right. Like, Damn, he always looks so good at 35. He, he fucks he's with like, me. I, I always feel, think he's 22. Yeah, he's like really young. But still, like, like in 10 years, you're me. And like, I was, that's real life. Because it's for everybody who's listening, I don't know when this is here, but like December 16th, we'd already started, we just started Vayner, but I was in Wine Library until 2011. 10 years ago today, 10 years ago today, I'm in the liquor store packing boxes. That's real talk. That's crazy. Thank you, and I, and I loved how you reacted. I love how you dust, and that means the thousand. I forget, I forget, you know? You forget, yeah. you forget, and I've done so much in this period, and I'm grateful for that, but like, it's super real, and I want it for everyone. So much can happen so fast or so slow, but if you're willing to enjoy it, and you have the humility and the patience, so much good can happen, and the internet's a fucking crazy thing. It's way bigger, we're so lucky to be in it, and nonetheless, I, for everybody who's listening, I met million, have I met a million? I've met an uncomfortable amount of people in the last decade. I'm doing this podcast for whatever reason. I've always connected with this dude. I like how he rolls with his family, for Ohio, for his beliefs. And I really genuinely want this podcast to help him. So I did it. I'm gonna share the fuck out of it so my audience could get to know him. I think he's doing good stuff. I think it's practical. I'm a fan, and I don't say that lightly. Gary Vaynerchuk, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. 